Blog Talk Radio. hiatus. We are here, and so is your host, Sam. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this records okay. We'll do another one this weekend. So our plan is to do about two a week from now on, so I thank you for uh, tuning in if you're here. So I have my co-host, Jason, here tonight. Jason, you there? I am. How are you doing, Sam? Good, man. How are you, my friend? How's Arizona? Oh, it is beautiful. We're finally starting to heat up into the 90s. Probably about to hit 100 next week. So, you know, perfect baseball. Yeah, that's a little hot for me, but that's good weather. It's a dry heat there, so that's nice. Oh, it is. That's cool. Well, we're here. Uh, we're going to start off the show. Jason has some things on his list, and we're just kind of recap. Months. We have a lot to cover. If we don't get to it all, we'll probably do a second episode this week, so... Anyway, Jason, have at it, man. All right. So we're about a third of the way into the season now. Every team has played over 50 games. And generally, by the time you've hit that, most of the way that teams are playing, you, you're kind of getting an idea of how the season's going to go. And I think the biggest surprise for both of us so far has to be what the Minnesota Twins are doing. They currently hold the best winning percentage in all of baseball, a nine-game lead over the Indians in the NL Central, which has pushed their playoff odds to about 97%. And just the other day, they became the second team in MLB history to hit 100 home runs in their first 50 games. Their pitching has been great. Mm -hmm. Their offense has been absolutely astounding. And that's something that I don't think many people saw coming, as they seem to be turning into a bit of a rebuild year after a solid 2017 where they made the playoffs in a disappointing 2018. Right. So in addition to that, um, a team that I wanted to talk about a lot that I think we talked about at length back in one of the, one of the earlier preseason preview podcasts was the Padres is nobody was really expecting them to compete this year. And they kind of came rushing out the gate and they actually spent more days so far above 500 this season than they had in the previous six seasons, which is just insane. Wow. But a, insane. a lot of the young guys are already contributing. Of course, they had the big Machado signing. But the guy that I've been most excited about is rookie pitcher Chris Paddock. Mm-hmm. So Sam and I are in a fantasy league together. And yeah. there was an auction draft in the league. I had never done an auction draft before, so a lot of my decisions were a little bit questionable, and I'm sure Sam could attest to that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there was one thing that I did right, and that was picking up Chris Paddock. He was a a non-roster invitee to spring training, had never pitched above double A, and at the moment so far this season – he has about a two ERA or so, and 
and a FIP that pretty much matches it. That's fielding independent pitching, kind of trying to match things apart from defense. And he's just been absolutely astounding and a ton of fun to watch. And one of the big things uh, that he's done is that at the moment, he only has two very good pitches. He's basically been a two-pitch starting pitcher, which does say some things about potential regression. But the big thing that he's done is he has a great fastball, one of the best in the majors. It has the highest pitch value per 100 pitches and the second highest pitch value overall for a fastball just behind Tyler Glasnow, who's also been having a great year. But Paddock has been combining that with his changeup. His changeup has almost exclusively been used low in the zone. His fastball, he's been elevating incredibly well. And it's just been a ton of fun to watch a guy that's combining velocity and control with really just those two pitches right now to be able to stymie a lot of experienced major league hitters. Yeah, no, those are really neat stats. Um, it, it, it is quite impressive. When they called him up, I'll be honest, I knew I knew the name, but I had no idea that he would have the success he's had this season. So that was a good pickup, Jason. I tried my best. But um, <laughs> an interesting comparison um, is that a lot of the way that he pitches, although his repertoire isn't really full yet, still a young guy, is that he compares mm-hmm. pretty similarly to Trevor Bauer. There's one thing that's really unique to the, about the two of them is that they have more fastball movement and more spin on their fastball than pretty much any other pitchers in the major leagues. And that has led to significantly higher whiff rate on their fastballs Mm -hmm. than a lot of other pitchers do get. Uh, Bowers is around 10%. Both of them actually are around 10% compared to a projected um, whiff rate on the, on the fastball of about seven and a half percent. So that at least for Paddock has been the big reason he's been able to have success so far, especially since he's still developing a curveball. So this is a guy who's, you know, basically a two pitch pitcher right now. And I think the, his ceiling can only go up from here. He's been a ton of fun to watch this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, he's yeah. Sky's the limit. If he's already doing this well, and this is his first, you, he didn't play him. Did he pitch in Triple A? He said he never pitched there. Did he? No. Yeah, he had never that's pitched really above Double A. There's one thing that's worth noting, and we've seen that at this at least in the past uh, two or three weeks, because at the beginning of May he had peaked with an ERA that was around 1.4, almost 10 starts in, and that kind of slowed down as some of his luck stats as I call them, there's a trio of luck stats for pitchers, started to show that even though he's been pitching really, really well, there were some things that were a little out of line. So the three major luck stats for pitchers are BABIP, which is batting average on balls in play, LOB rate, the percentage of the runners that you allow to reach base that end up getting left on base, and then home run to fly ball ratio. Basically, how many of the fly balls that you give up end up getting out of the yard. So essentially, all of those stats for him have been lower than league averages. But even then, as those have started to come in line, he's still pitching very well. I could see him as a three ERA guy over the course of the season. And it's really incredible to see that as the Padres are still putting pieces together, they have a guy who definitely has ace potential. 
moving forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's that's very true, Jason. Um, one other guy that I kind of wanted to talk about, and I'm sure mm-hmm. Sam has a very vested interest in this guy, and that's <laughs> Anthony Rizzo. So yeah. in the past, Rizzo's been seen as a, a very good two-strike hitter because he always you always see him choking up on the bat, and he rarely strikes out, especially for a, a power-hitting first baseman. But he's kind of declined for the past couple of years, especially since the Cubs' like 2015 and 2016 playoff runs in terms of WRC plus, which is a stat called weighted runs created plus, essentially. Um, it's one that Fangraphs does. It combines a lot of different elements um, of a hitter's game, adjusts it based on what parks they're hitting in, um, and then puts it on a scale where 100 means that they're a league average hitter, and however many points above or below they are compared to 100, that's the percentage that they are like better or worse than the average hitter. So Rizzo peaked at about a 155 WRC plus in 2014, and he'd been sliding down to about a 125 last season, which is a pretty steady drop for a guy that still hasn't hit 30. But that's kind of been changing around this season. And the reason for that is something that's really, really interesting, at least to me, is that that two-strike approach. Yeah. He wasn't actually that great at it. Over the past four seasons, he only ranked 28th in the league for WRC plus on two-strike counts with 74. But that changed this season because what he's been doing is he has been pulling the ball a ton on non-two-strike counts, which he didn't do earlier in his career. He's pulling it on about 84% of at-bat or of pitches without two strikes now compared to only about 80% in years prior. And that is a pretty big change. The big thing is he's going opposite field now, a ton with two strikes. And that's also connected to the amount that the shift has caused problems for him. And I think it's kind of interesting to see when a lot of people are complaining about the shift and it's killed a few guys careers that there are some ways to manage to, to try to deal with it without, like just bunting for a hit or trying to hit directionally, hit it where the fielders aren't, which is, of course, so hard with how incredible Major League pitching is right now. But I think Rizzo could continue the success, and I'm sure you and, and many of your other listeners, Cubs fans, could be excited to hear oh, that. Dude, absolutely. You know, I, I knew his stats were better this season, but I did not know to the links with the different strike counts. I mean, that's fascinating. Uh, information there, Jason. I really like that because he's almost kind of, as you get older, he's getting smarter, but also you can tell he clearly put in the off season to work on the shift, shift situations because they're doing it to him all the time. Yeah. And then when you're struggling, it makes it magnified. So you're right. And I, and I think a little bit, some kudos have to go to the Cubs new hitting coach, Anthony, is it LaPace? How do you say it? LaPace? Yeah, I believe I so. Person. But I, it's a neat story because he wasn't a big name, but I think he was within the organization and people really respected him in the Cubs organization. I can tell he's already made, he had some early success at the beginning of the season with Hayward. And I know Hayward's come back down to his normal numbers now, but yeah, he's helped Schwarber, I think a lot too. I mean, Schwarber's mm-hmm. leadoff hitting now. It's just kind of fun to see that success. I mean, I'm a little biased as a Cubs fan like you are, but oh, it's yeah. really neat to see the hard work paying off. Yeah. 
and especially with Chris Bryant finally being healthy and, of course, Javi Baez, who had that breakout year last year. The Cubs, at least according to Fangraphs with the replacement, have three of the top 16 players offensively so far this season. So that offense has been most of their success as their rotations kind of struggled this season. But that's a completely different story. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, I, yeah, they have a couple MVP candidates again, which is just nice and refreshing instead of just talking about Baez, which I love Baez, but it's nice to talk about the other guys that are good. So Yeah. So what stories have caught your eye so far this season, Sam? Yeah, well, I mean, the first one that jumps out, I mean, let's just talk about the Twins. That's a neat story. The Twins are arguably one of the best teams, if not the best team in baseball. And what do you think that is, Jason? I know they got a new manager, so they, they made a tough choice. They fired Paul Molitor, their manager, which was kind of, I was like, oh, yeah. kind of surprising. But then again, not really. I mean, they just, they got a new voice. And what do you think about their, their season so far, Jason? I think a lot of that has to do with some of the pickups that they made over the course of the off season. I don't know how much yeah. we had talked about it, but Nelson Cruz um, and CJ Crone have both been playing very well for them people probably expected Cruz to play like that, but CJ Crowe kind of came out of nowhere. He was a middling guy with most, most of his time with the angels and he's been hitting pretty far above average along with Jason Castro being really solid, but it seems like they had kind of been retooling and then all of a sudden here they are hitting for an absolutely absurd amount of power led by mm-hmm. Eddie Rosario right now, who has, what, 17 homers on the season, I believe? But Yes. Yeah, yeah and they lead, they, the, yeah, they lead the league in home runs. Yeah. And also, um, as I say, they, I mentioned a little bit earlier that they're only the second team in baseball history to hit a home, 100 home runs in their first 50 games. And then they went and hit after that, eight home runs in one game against the Angels, which is absolutely insane. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, they joined the 1999 Mariners as the only other team to do it. The Mariners that season ended up missing the playoffs and had about 75 wins or so. So I kind of hope wow. that the Twins won't befall that same fate, but it'll be an interesting race to see down the line, especially since they've played a lot of games already against the AL East and AL West and have a lot of their schedule remaining against their own admittedly very weak division. So one, I think that they might be the surest bet to make the playoffs right now in baseball. And two, I think that they can make some noise in the postseason this year instead of getting bounced early, usually by the Yankees as they have in, in recent history. Well, exactly. And just two other notes quick. I think you might've touched on it, but if not, um, 20% of their home runs I've read here came from first baseman CJ Crone and their second baseman, Jonathan Shoup, which is neat because Crone was placed on waivers in November from the Rays and they claimed yeah. him. And then Shoup was terrible with Baltimore and Milwaukee last year, really. And then these two guys have had, a resurgence, at least in the home run numbers, which have helped, you know, helped their overall lineup behind Rosario. So pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. And they've also had some great performance from their pitching staff. Three guys posting ERAs of 3.2 or below 
Jose Barrios yeah. has been great. Jake Odorizzi has been phenomenal, if not a little bit lucky right now. He's posted a about a two ERA, but that's backed up by a 3.0 FIP right now, which mm. means that you could easily see him be a three ERA guy the rest of the way. And then Martin Perez has also been yes. pitching incredibly for them. But really, their whole entire staff has been showing up. Blake Parker's been solid out of the bullpen. Mm-hmm. And just in general, it's a roster that some players might be having kind of career years, but the the peripheral staff is all backing up their performance. It doesn't seem like people are getting crazy lucky. So I really think that their their success is sustainable, and it's it's a cool story that a team that it looked like was going to be kind of out of it for a few years ended up turning it around so quickly and taking advantage of an Indians roster that's kind of been expected to win the division and hasn't really made any moves to improve their team in the past couple of years. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, another team that we should probably touch on briefly, not a big fan of this team, but how about the Yankees? They have like 11 guys on the IL list and they keep just yeah. a well-oiled machine. It just shows the depth that they have in that organization. Granted, I know they can buy a lot of players, but still it's yeah. a, it's a well-run team there over there in New York. Yeah. And what, um, Domingo Herman has been a big part of that too. Another guy who I luckily was first to grab on the waiver wire. Yes, fantasy league. You did snag him. Um, yeah. But he's made just really tiny changes from earlier in his career. Um, he has a great curveball and throws both a four-seamer and a sinker. And both of those have improved a lot. His fastball, mm-hmm. his four-seamer last year, got absolutely hammered to the tune yeah. of a 337 ISO, which is isolated slugging. Essentially, that just takes slugging percentage, subtracts batting average to get rid of all of the singles involved in it. And that's just essentially what the chances are of people getting extra bases. But wow, he yeah. lowered that to a 229 ISO this year, That's which huge. is decent. That's an absolutely huge change. He's given up way fewer extra base hits. And with a good put-away pitch in that curveball, that's led to him having a lot fewer problems giving up runs because he was already going to be decent at limiting people on the base paths. But he was having problems with when he gave up hits that were big ones. And he's been able to fix that this year. And he's been probably the best guy on the Yankees staff so far this season that has some big names on it. Right. No, that's, that's absolutely right. Um, so it's a neat story. Cause I mean, if, for those of you that don't know, but like it misjudge and stand for the majority of the season with various injuries and they're just a well-oiled machine. Like I said, um, next man up mentality to a T and, you know, it's just, it's just very impressive. They even have, like, backups that are hurt, like Tewiski's been hurt. And another good signing, what was the guy who was in Colorado last year? Oh, um, Gigi LeMahieu's been a good pickup for them for a little while there. And, yeah, they're just, they're just loaded. Yeah, but considering the, the slow start they had to the season and then the incredible tear they went on right after that, I think they won something like 20 out of 25 games at one point. I'm scared to see what this team is going to be capable of 
once they start to get everybody back. I remember seeing – Oh, I know. Um, I remember it was a couple weeks ago. I saw a little graphic that looks like how they normally announce starting lineups for a game. It shows a picture of the field, players' names and pictures and all that. And it looked like yep. it was the Yankees starting lineup. And then I realized that that was their DL. Yeah. Which is absolutely <laughs> insane. So that whole division is going to be interesting. The Red Sox are slowly recovering from their horrendous start, but they haven't really got yes. team yet. The Rays have still been overperforming what everybody expected of them, playing really unconventional baseball with the opener and all that. They're a team that I personally love to watch. Yes. It's fun. It's just and, it's just a weird situation. You mean the Rays? Is that a team you like watching? Yeah. 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 It's fun because people don't go to their games, and I just don't understand it. Like, I just it just maddens me that they don't go to games, and it's a really good team. It's crazy. Interesting. Then, uh, so, other. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, and then they have the Orioles that are garbage. So I just want to throw that in. Oh there, yeah. So. Of course. But other than that, of course, the AL, I think, is going to be dominated by the Astros, who are right up there right now with the Twins and the Yankees for the best record in baseball. And they're somehow underperforming what you would expect with, like, the kind of offense and pitching that they have. Their record's worse than it should be, which is just ridiculous to say for a team that's already 17 games above 500 with only 57 yeah. played. But George Springer and Alex Bregman have been credible. Michael Brantley, who they recently acquired to plug a hole in the outfield, has been great. The Astros, and if healthy. you took their entire team, they – have a 275, 349, 488 flash line. That's not just the starters. That's all of the injury replacement guys who are career minor leaguers, all of the backups and backup catchers and all that. That's good for a 126 WRC+. plus. If the entire Astros offense were a player, it would be a top 60 individual hitter in all of baseball, which is just ludicrous. Yeah, it really is. It's mind that's blowing. about. Yeah, if you want to compare that to an individual player, that's about like Ronald Acuna. Wow. So apart from that, that, yeah, it's basically the way that the AL MVP race is looking right now. It's a bunch of Astros and then Mike Trout at the top <laughs> in the AL. Exactly. Crazy. It's gonna be it's gonna be insane to watch that team in the postseason because of course I don't think that there are any doubts that they're gonna be there. And really the AL is going to have a lot of heavy hitters this season. I'm assuming the playoffs are gonna be Yankees, Rays, Red Sox, Twins and Astros. I guess that's my playoff prediction. Not that it's yeah super hard to make, but that's a field where I think any of those teams could win the World Series, and a couple of them could be historically good. That's really true. And then the NL, it's probably, I'd say, Cubs. Let's see, who else is going to win? I don't know, Cubs and 
Phillies, maybe. I don't know who else. Or the Dodgers, of course. Yeah. Um, it'll be. I'm stoked. I mean, we only have we have two thirds of the season to go, and I'm already stoked for the World Series and playoffs. It's oh, gonna yeah. be fun. Yeah, it does seem like the league is kind of this way that season, where it's kind of heavy at the top, and then a lot of teams that are kind of middling. And I think NL Central this year is a kind of cool example of that because what the Reds are in last place in that division right now, and they're right. only six games back. There's very few even like second and third place teams that are less than six games back right now. Like the Padres are in second in the NL West. They're eight games back. The Mets who are in third in the NL East are six games back. Um, The Red Sox are more than six games back. The Yankees, Indians, and A's are both, what, nine and seven and a half games back of their division leaders respectively. If somebody gets hot at the right time or if people have, like, big injuries or big slumps, pretty much any of those teams could end up sneaking into the playoffs. I think it's going to be the Cubs and Brewers because I don't think things are going to go crazy. But it's really crazy how competitive that division is, and I'm sure it's very scary for all the Cubs and Brewers fans that they do have a lot of competition lurking behind them at the moment. Yes. I don't I don't like it, but then again, I do because it's fun. I don't want I – mean, it's a fun division. I mean, it's – even the Reds, they took two out of three last week against the Cubs, and – it's yeah. fun to watch, and that's with Joey Votto struggling, quote unquote, you know, for his standards, and it's, yeah. it's exciting because they they have Senzel and they have a lot of young guys. Or how about um number twenty two for the Reds? Just do is is it is it Dietrich or he has six home runs and yeah. six at bats or something? My goodness. Yeah. Also, I read something interesting about him today. Is that he has thirty hits on the season? Seventeen of those are home runs. He has more home runs than singles, doubles, and triples combined, which is just kind of <laughs> ludicrous. It puts him at, like, what, tied for third in the majors in home runs? Yeah. Or something like that. And he's bumped around. Elite. I mean, he's he's been on a few teams, too. It's just kind of – I love stories like that. I think it's cool. Yeah. Um, some other quick hitters we have. Roughly about three minutes left, but uh, Pedroia looks like he's hurt. Looks like his career might yeah. be done. What a great career if this is his career. I think he's taken some time away, which he should. They have a young guy. I can't think of his name, but he's played really well. So if I were Pedroia, yeah. I would just let that heal. I think he's done having surgery, but what a good career for him. Yeah, he's he's an absolute Boston legend, especially when you consider, like, how many of those World Series trips he was around for. He's been a huge leader on that team, too. Yep. he might His jersey might hang up in the rafters for the Red Sox, which I think it will. He's been that good for them, yeah. so means a lot. I like some to other see quick that. Hitters, some other quick hitters. Let's see. Uh, Calvin Biggio got called up. He already hit two homers, I think, and his dad was there for yeah. the first one. That was cool. Um, yeah, we've seen cool. both Fernando Tatis Jr. and Vlad Guerrero Jr. tearing it up so far. Yes. I've gotten a lot of trade requests for Vlad Jr. over the last season. <laughs> we have him in the Dynasty League. And my guys all text me. They want Vlad Jr. deals. They, well, I even got one last week. He's like, hey, if you get a Vlad Jr. deal, I'll beat you, beat whatever it is. I'm like, okay. But I'm, I'm holding firm because I know he's going to have some growing pains this season. But he already still has, what, like six homers. So I'm I'm content yeah. with him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't even one think we've thing. mentioned Cody Bellinger. 
Oh my goodness. And Yelich? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's it's kind of crazy. Like at the moment, Bellinger, he has raised his career average so far this season from about 263 to 285 because he's still hitting wow. 380 54 games into the season. It's absolutely ridiculous. His WRC plus that stat I was mentioning earlier is 213. He's been more than twice as good as the average major <laughs> league hitter this season. He's just absolutely bonkers. And he's doing it while That's keeping like his strikeouts pretty low. And his walk rate, which is something that he wasn't great at earlier in his career, has improved a lot. It's still not anywhere near Mike Trout, who's getting walked more than one out of five times so far this season, <laughs> which is another That's story impressive. entirely. Oh, but, yeah. I think, I think since we only have a minute left, I think we'll probably plan to talk more because we could easily talk another half hour. So I'll probably plan it with Jason soon. We'll do another one because there's so many topics. Maybe we can talk about like the best signings of the season and maybe the worst signings. Maybe we'll cover something like that next episode. But I can't thank you enough, Jason, for having me on again, my friend. It's it's an honor to have you on all the time, and we'll do more soon. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. Yeah, of course. And then again, guys, just remember to follow us on Twitter. Maybe I'll make other accounts and pages if we get big. Eventually, I'd like to do longer episodes. If any of you guys have ideas, let me know, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Sam.